Good evening. Shall we begin? Tonight we're going to learn a very special discourse. From the Chabad Rabbeim that we usually learn, we usually focus on, mostly in the Hasidus we learn over here, on the Alter Rebbe, Arab Shneer Zalman of Liadi, in which we study most of the time the Lakuti Torah from his teachings. Then we study a lot sometimes from the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Chabad Rebbe. There were times that on Thursday night we studied from the fourth Rebbe, the Rebbe Marash. There were times that we did the fifth Rebbe, um, the Rebbe Rashab. And we done sometimes the, uh, our Rebbe, Mamarim as well. One time we did the Friedrich Rebbe's Mimer, once, maybe or twice. And then we did the, the Mittler Rebbe we've hardly ever done. The Mittler Rebbe is the second Rebbe, Rebbe Dave Baer. The reason why it's difficult to learn the Mittler Rebbe's Memorim is because he's very, 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 very endless. He's endless. His gush of flow of like, in, in, Kabbal, in, in the Kabbalistic terminology, the Alter Rebbe is known as Chachma, a point which is like a little, a, little, a little spring, and the Mittler Rebbe is considered Bina, which is the river. So the comparison of a, of a, of a little spring to a river. Everything the Mittler Rebbe says is kind of contained in a seed in the Alter Rebbe's teachings, but it's like, whoa. So it's hard to learn because you can, you know, sometimes a couple of hundred pages of Mimer, or not a couple of hundred, it'd be 70, 80 pages, it's like, and it goes on and on. Now this mimer that we're going to learn tonight is from a book, Derech Chaim. It's one of the Mittler Rebbe's Svarim that he wrote. And he wrote it, he wrote, it's a very, generally it's a very intense book. There are parts of it that are like super intense to the point that, you know, it's like what Hasidim used to learn in the good old days when they needed to do tshuva before Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, when they needed like a really intense um, something to uh, what do you call it a defibrillator to to get the heart going again after the heart has kind of died you needed like a major like boom they would they would plug into this book uh, the mimer we're going to learn now is doesn't have any of that no one was the middle rabbi had in that in the der Chaim, he has a lot of musr hasidic musr harsh musr in this mimer, which is part of Derechaim, it's actually the last mimer in the book, is very uplifting. It is applicable to the three weeks, even though I don't know when the mimer was said. I didn't even know if it was said or if he just wrote it. I'm not sure. And um, the concepts relate to the time that we're in right now because it's talking about the time when Hashem departs from Israel, which is the three weeks, a time of separation, time of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, Hashem retracts way up high. But the Mimer explains how at the very same time that God is in a complete removal, He is completely present. So the Mimer is showing how Hashem is inseparable of us, and His love to us is just... Is just absolute, and even at the very same time of a withdrawal, he's completely present. 
So there is, in the time of Gullus, there is kind of a, a uh, dichotomy of a yeah and a no, a, a presence of God and a withdrawal of Hashem simultaneously at the same time. The mimer is very deep, very powerful. I simply learned it because I, I needed to learn Hasidus in the morning before davening, and I found this book. It's one of Yitti's books. And as I found that Sefer, I took the book and I started learning it. And I said, wow, this, this is something I would like to teach. We will not complete the entire discourse this week. Um, it's long. The copies that I made you, I am planning to finish this week. It's just that we only made half the mimer. <laughs> but, as you can see, the, the, the words that we have over here, the Mitlod Rebbe style is, 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 is much more wordy. He's much more wordy than the Alter Rebbe is. So therefore, I hope that we can flow quick, especially since I will do a lot of explanation outside. Secondly, the copies you have has commentary on the bottom. We're not learning the commentary. I learned the commentary when I prepared. So you're not going to be learning the commentary. We're only going to be learning the upper parts. So therefore, it's less than it looks like. I don't want anybody to get seriously frightened. It will, however, take us two to three hours. And then, Ezra Sashem, next week we will continue. Now, the very, very emotional part of this mimer, as it really warms the heart in an incredible way, is in next week's part. Even though this week's mimer is like really, 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 really special, but it's the more intellectual side and foundation of some really, really powerful things. Okay. That being said, we're ready to go. If you want a copy, there's copies on the, on the table. Hinexiv, it says in a pasuk. So we begin. I'm starting on, you see, in the beginning on the, on the right side of the page is just a, a synopsis of the entire discourse written by whoever just recently gave out this book. So this is, that's called Teichen. He does a, a small kitzer. It's a good thing to use if you want to take this mimer home this week and then next week, especially when we'll get the second half, and you want to be able to review everything you learned in short. So this is an abbreviated points of the whole discourse. Fine. So we're starting on the left side of the page. It's a pasuk. Again, this mimer is from Derech Chaim. All the way in the end, it's the last discourse in Derech Chaim. Ready to go. He makes it, it says in the pasuk, Oh, to... No, I don't have it here. I'll tell you. In the original book of Derechayim, the original book of Derechayim, it's on page 208. Anybody that will want to look in the original Sefer, what I have over here and I made you the copies of is, an, is a version of collected, selected discourses with commentary. So this is not the regular Derechayim. The, I didn't make copies of the original because it's very blurry and hard to see. It's much easier to learn it from here. Okay. So the Mimer, there's a Pasuk in Shir Hashirim, a verse in Song of Songs, in which it says, he makes it, it says in the Pasuk, My beloved is compared to a deer. 
the Jewish people are saying about God, who is our beloved, we say that he's compared to a deer or a gazelle. What's the comparison of Hashem to a gazelle? Razal and the sages say, in Shir Hashirim Rabbah, in the Medrash, the, the, um, on Shir Hashirim, the sages tell us why, I just want to make sure the recording is on. Um, the sages say, what's the comparison of God to a gazelle? And they say, just like a gazelle, when he goes to sleep, he sleeps always with one eye closed and one eye up, open. And he has one eye open. So the same is also, even though during the time of exile, it looks like God went to sleep and he has removed his providence, his watchfulness that he guards, that he watches the Jewish people, and he kind of leaves go of us and lets us kind of free to the forces of nature and whoever, whoever God forbid, wants to take a bite of the 70 wolves, wants to take a bite of Israel, of the Jewish people, God forbid, could be successful, yet at the very same time we say, the guardian of Israel doesn't sleep. So he's sleeping and he's not sleeping. That, that's why he's compared to a deer, because a deer is always like half sleeping, which means one eye, because a deer has a lot of enemies out there. So the deer has to have one eye always awake. He can't fully sleep. So he shuts down his brain halfway so that he gets a, a sleep, but not fully. So in a sense, Hashem is present and watching us during the time of exile, but at the same time removed. And then they give another explanation in the Medrash in the comparison to the deer. Something very beautiful. And when you, when you get to the explanation, how the Rebbe explains this in, in the end of the Mimer, it's like, wow, wow, it's worth learning all Hasidis from all the years just to come to this Mimer and learn this. That's how precious what we're going to learn is. It's really special. So it says a deer, when a deer is running away, the thing about the deer is it always turns back and looks. You see if you, have, you, ever, you ever go out camping. A deer will run away when in front of people, but they always turn back their head to look. So it says that when God is running away from us, Hashem is always turning back His head and looking. So there's the two things. When He's sleeping, He's sleeping with one eye open and one eye closed. And also when Hashem is fleeing from us for whatever reason because of our sins, He still is turning His head, which means same idea. He's going away, but He's not going away. And He's going to explain in the Mimer later in the end how this applies, what, what do the sages mean by these two metaphors, both by a deer? It's not, because you can say it's, say it's the same idea, he, he's watching over us no matter what. No, each one of these is implying something else in the unique relationship that we have with Hashem, even during the time of exile. And to understand this, oh, so this is the amount, till here in the Mimer for today is the... Uh, kind of warm, emotional, beautiful part of the mimer. Now the mimer gets very abstract and, and intellectual. So, but don't get scared because it's, it's pretty, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kind of give a little bit, it's hard to learn it when you're learning it yourself and trying to figure it out, but being that I learned it, I'm going to try to give you a little bit of an introduction and, and, and a more, of a more of a direction so that you can follow it easier. But let's first read the first paragraph. We first have to preface one idea. 
What this mimer is going to explain in today's, today's part, I can't say it's not heartwarming. Of course it is. Because, but it's, what, what, he's going to explain the loftiness of the Jewish souls. How high we really are. Where do we really, really, really stem from? So we know in Tanya it says that the Jewish nisham is a part of God from above. And the Alter Rebbe places the nisham in God's brain. The neshama comes from Hashem's chachma, from Hashem's mind. And that's why we say, It's literally a piece of God from above. It means from God's brain. But Hashem's brain, on which level does God have a brain? God is beyond being, any defined, being able to be defined by any kind of definition. So Kabbalah teaches us that at some point in the process of Hashem lowering Himself down to get closer to the creation... Hashem assumes a brain and he assumes a heart. He like becomes humanized. He humanizes himself to be kind of, which means, and so when we say that we come from God's brain, it would mean that we are of the divine, but not necessarily of God. We are of the divine. The beauty of the mimer over here is that the Mittler Rebbe is not satisfied with that. And the Mittler Rebbe is going to drill and drill and drill and drill and drill and drill until he's going to find the true source of the soul, which is all the way, all the way, all the way up in the quintessence of God's very, very self. In the very, very much place where as much as God is God, that's where the soul is one with him. Not in the descent of Hashem kind of as a preparatory state to connect to the creation. That's where he, the Jewish people emerge. We don't emerge as the beginning of creation. We emerge much before that. We don't emerge. We are embedded in Hashem Himself way before any, any, any thought or any idea even of a creation to be created. We're already there. And what that means, and that's what it's going to explain. What the sages say, that the Jewish people have arose in Hashem's thoughts. And Chazal also say, It says, With who did God consult? Two things the sages say. Number one is that the Jewish people arose in God's thought. Number two, they say that when Hashem consulted on creation, who did He consult with? He consulted with the souls of the righteous. Which the souls of the righteous are all the Jewish people. Because as it says, kulam tzadikim. Your nation are all tzaddikim. So when it says Hashem consulted with the souls to create or not to create, it was a consultation with all of our tzaddik, with all the tzaddikim, with all the Jewish people. The Hainu Yisrael Shalom What the Rebbe is saying is that since the Jewish people arose in the thought, so that's what it means. He consulted because we're already in that very, very, very beginning thought. So he's consulting with us. What he's really saying is that these two Mamar Chazal complement each other and are work together. Since we begin very high in, we rose in thought, which he'll soon explain what it really means is we precede all thought, even the most primordial thought about a creation. We precede that. Not we're at the beginning of that thought. We precede even the most, the first tiniest steering within God having a desire to create a world, we precede that. So there's, if there's no world, before the whole process of 
creating and emanating lights to create the world. Before you have any emanations, all you have is the emanator himself. Before you have the illuminations, you have the illuminator. Now since we're saying the Jewish people arose in thought, what it really means is before any illumination, in the illuminator himself. And that's where we are. And that's why it also goes consistent with the idea that Hashem consulted with the Jewish people to create or not to create. You have to understand that consultation has to take place before any, any thought about creating. He first has to decide if he wants that thought and if he wants to develop a creation. So, there ha- so obviously that forces us to, be, to exist prior to even the first initial thoughts about creating. And that's where we exist. And that's the consultation that he's consulting. Basically, he's consulting within himself, and we are him and he is us. That's the idea. So it's like a, a deliberation taking place in God's very, very self about creating. Yes? Not created. The, at that point, nothing exists but God. It just means that our souls are one. That's how we originate as, as Him. We are Him. That's really what it means. Our souls are of Hashem's essence. So when He's deliberating, it's like a person deliberating within Himself. No one else knows the deliberation, only Himself. He's de- and He's deliberating about it. That's where we are. Okay. Because the explanation of this thought, in which we say that we have arisen in the thought, now, it's not clear over here, but when you get to the end of chapter 2 in the discourse, you see that he says, we arose in the thought. So those very words seem to imply that we're only starting in the thought. Yes, in the thought we rise, which means we're at the very, very highest point of the thought. But we are part of the thought of creation. It's just that we're germinating the thought. We're at the very, very beginning of that thought. We don't, Hashem doesn't add us on and invite us and invite us on into creation at a later point. He's already thinking about us at the very, very beginning. That would be the simple meaning of Allah b'machshava. We, we arose in the thought. But later, he's going to explain that Allah b'machshava means we're before the thought. Not we're part of the thought, but we are prior to the thought. And you see also, because he says that's what it means he consulted with us. Because the, the one you're consulting with is before you're, you have a thought. You're consulting with that one, should I have the thought? Should I, should I emanate this? Should I develop this? We'll soon see. So now he says, which thought we preceded. So he's going to first show us how creation, in the next chapter, he's going to develop the whole evolving order of creation in terms of God's thought as it evolves to create. Layers upon layers of deeper thought. And, now we, and even on the loftiest level of thought, we precede that thought. The meaning of this thought. In which we say that we go before that thought, we're talking about the primordial thought that originates in the very essence of Hashem. Before Hashem has a specific 
will to emanate the world of Atzilus, and to create the world of Bria, as it is known, as it is known. What does that mean? What does that mean? There is, once creation is taking place, there is four worlds. Kabbalah explains. There's the world of Atzilut, which is not really a creation yet. It's still just emanations of God. Then there is Bria, the world of creation. And then there's Yetzirah, the world of formation. And then the world of Asiya, which is the, the final completion of creation. The, 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 the material, physical world, right? So these four worlds evolve one from each other. Now before these four worlds exist, there is a desire on God's part to create all four of these worlds. So there is a particular ratzon, which means there's a thought. A thought and a desire, or you might say a desirable thought to create. So there's two stages. There is the actual creation, and there is the desirable thought in which he is desiring in his thought to create. But that, those, thoughts are happening in a, those thoughts are happening already later, when he's particularly thinking, I'm going to emanate this world, I'm going to emanate that world, I'm going to create that world, I'm going to form that world, and I'm going to complete this world, the physical world. So these are already particular... And again, we're not talking about the creation, we're talking about the thought that precedes the creation of all these four levels. Okay? But when we're saying that the Jewish people rose and are before the thought, which thought are we talking about? Not these particular thoughts. Because these are already happening much later. We're talking about one thought in which encompasses everything. The initial thought that encompasses the entire project of creation. In which we're going to see soon, that thought contains within it the energy of everything. And all of it in one swoop. Everything is in one swoop because it's all contained as one it's not yet specified, there's no detail. All worlds are in that state of complete, uh, of complete oneness in that thought. It's a, it's, a simp, it's, a, it's, a, it's a primordial desire for creation in general, for existence in general. It encompasses everything. Yet, we are saying the Jewish people precede that thought. That primordial thought that encompasses everything in one, in one point, not the individual thought for each world, but the one thought that it precedes it all, in the Jewish neshamas, rose in God's interest before that one thought. And that thought, the nikra, that thought is called machshava achas. That thought is called one thought. Later, they're not called machshava achas. The later, they're called thoughts. Many thoughts. He thinks the world of Atzilus. He thinks the world of Bria. He thinks the world of Yitziri. Each one has its own thought, its own desire. But this is a more encompassing, primordial desire for everything. And yet, the Jewish souls precede even that thought. Now, in that one thought, now we turn over the page. Okay. Now in this one thought that is the primordial thought which encompasses everything, in that itself he says there are two levels. And they are as follows. A lower level and a higher level. 
The lower level is machshava achas hakolel les kol prate amachshava shall kolish dalshos. There is one thought that includes in it all the specific thought of all the evolving worlds. I remember we spoke. If you remember the idea that there's a four prong, a four prong um, world system, with our four stages in creation, four worlds: Atzilus, the world of emanation; Bria, the world of creation; Yetzira, the world of formation; and Asiya, and the practical, physical world of completion. And so there is one thought that encompasses all of these: the Nikra Machshava Stima, and that's called the hidden thought. What does that mean? You see, the thought in general. Let's let's let me make an introduction. We'll, we'll speak about that later more. In general, thought is considered hidden because you don't know someone else's thoughts. What we know from each other, what we can, what we know from another person is their speech. We don't know. We don't know a person's thoughts. We know a person's. Um, we don't know a, thought, a person's thoughts, but we do know um, a, person's, a person's speech. So speech is revealed, and thought is concealed. However, uh, in, and that's in general. But in this case, he's talking about, in thought itself, the thought to create a particular world, to create that world, or that world, or that world, that's called more a revealed thought. The thought that incorporates all worlds together is called a concealed. It's a more hidden, primordial, earlier stage. Okay, so this thought that, inco- that includes all the worlds of Atzilus Briyatzi of Nikra Machshava Stima, it's called the concealed thought. Mayamor Sasum. It's called the concealed utterance. What does that mean? He's saying it's called a concealed thought, but the Gemara says interesting. The Gemara asks, why are there two mems? Two mems. In the Aleph Bays, there are two mems. There is a regular mem, which we use in the middle of a word, and then there is a mem that's used at the end of the word. And that's called a closed mem. So the Gemara says one is an open mem, because it's got a little space inside of it, you can climb in. And the other one is a closed mem, it's locked. So the Gemara says the reason, because mem stands for the word maimor. Maimor means utterance. Maimor means utterance. But there's two types of maimors, the Gemara says. There are the revealed maimor and the concealed maimor. In general, what does that mean? It means there are things, there are teachings that are meant to be revealed. And then there are teachings that are meant to be concealed. as very esoteric, very concealed. So once the Gemara uses the concept of a revealed speech a revealed utterance and a concealed utterance. So what, he's, what the Rebbe is saying now is when we say, when we're speaking about this primordial thought that includes everything, this belongs to the concealed utterance, not to the revealed utterance. As he says, it's a closed utterance, but it's very general. This includes and encompasses all the details. Because again, it's one thought.